Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. Today in Part 4 of Uncovering the Ancient Snare, I hope to make this topic come alive today. We are so close to the Day of the Lord. I could be wrong, of course, but my calculations show it's just a few years away and the enemy appears to be working overtime to put all of the infrastructure in place behind the scenes to ensnare as many as he can. I'm going to assume that you have listened to the first three parts, because I don't have time to review all of the backstory concerning God's warning of Amalek. Today I want to lay out for you the players involved in this snare the tactics they're using, the biblical clues that continue to repeat themselves for us to take note of, the dangers to look out for, and what the end game is. You're going to see how diabolical and vast this plot has become to ensnare as many of God's children as the enemy can take down. My purpose for showing you these things is not to frighten you, or make you feel hopeless, or even to marvel at how brilliant and intricately executed this snare is. Rather, I want you to have the biblical insight and tools that God has given to recognize when you are in danger and what to do if you become ensnared. What you hear today may upset you, especially if you have fallen into the snare. But if you have, I'm going to lay out the steps you can take to be free from it. The Lord tells us in Hosea 4, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let's first review a few terms and concepts so we can all get on the same page. Number one, let's look at the enemy a minute. What or who are we dealing with? Biblically, God's warning in Deuteronomy 25 refers to him as Amalek, and he represents both a bloodline and a spirit. The Amalek spirit is consumed by hatred for Jacob and the nation of Israel that came from him. Manifesting his true father, the devil, his desire is to kill the Jewish people and rule the world. We know from the book of Daniel that this spirit will rule the final kingdom, gain control over Israel, rebuild the temple, and seek to establish himself as God and demand to be worshipped. Today we need to pay close attention to the leaders who are rising in power. Examine their nationality and who they are aligned with politically. Number two, let's consider some of the tactics the enemy uses. They are the same as we've seen throughout biblical history outlined in parts one and two. These tactics include political alliances, doing whatever is necessary to rise to positions of power, flattery, bribery, mixed marriages for ulterior motives, and masterminding intricate schemes to entrap through edicts and laws which would have negative impact on Jews, such as what happened in Esther's day when a government edict went out to kill all the Jews on a certain day. 
Another common tactic is to create distractions and diversions for the people to keep us entertained so they can be busy behind the scenes putting their infrastructure and schemes in place. And a final tactic is a legal one inside the courts of heaven, bringing accusations against one of God's children and demanding a verdict. Satan knows that since Jehovah is a righteous judge, he must uphold all of his laws and decide against someone who has not fully repented. That verdict then gives the evil one a legal right to harm or destroy. A third concept to take note of concerns other strategies aimed at Jews to make God turn away from them. They include sexual seduction to defile them, get them hooked on perversion and forbidden behaviors, lure them into mixed marriages to those whose God is not the Lord, offer them power and influence with the stipulation that they stop doing the Jewish things and become like everybody else, and devise schemes such as violating important mitzvot, what you may call commandments, in the Torah to make Jews so despicable to God he has to turn away from them. And number four, be mindful of biblical timelines when Jews are most vulnerable and when the enemy has the upper hand. This requires understanding the Hebrew calendar, God's times and seasons. I want you to pay special attention to these three times. First is Hanukkah. This is the eight-day period that runs from the 25th of Kislev to the 3rd of Tevet. Second is the middle of the month of Adar. This is the timeline that Haman chose for the destruction of all the Jews. And the third, worth mentioning, is the middle of the month of Tevet, which is known as the season of the breach. This is when both Babylon and Rome breached Jerusalem and opened the door to the destruction of both temples. Let's go now to the snare and see ways it is unfolding now. And because of time, I'm going to limit myself to discuss only two issues. Issue number one is geographical. We know that one of the enemies Israel is warned about is the nation coming from the north, which most scholars identify as Russia. I want to share some observations I pointed out in my series on Ukraine and draw your attention to the physical map of the Black Sea, especially the land masses to the north. Russia controls some of it, but Ukraine controls quite a bit of that northern border. Now, obviously, to President Putin, he wants Russia to control all of the land mass bordering the northern part of the Black Sea. Now, I am not a historian. I am a biblical commentator of the end of days and have learned to look for what affects Israel because that is always the enemy's target. There are three things I want you to note about Ukraine. Number one, there are two wars going on. There's nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom, as Jesus told us in Matthew 24. Nation and kingdom refer to two different political realms. Ukraine seceded from the Soviet Union when it broke apart in 1991. 
So Putin has an agenda to force Ukraine to again be part of the Russian empire that he's rebuilding as it was almost 500 years ago. Now, while this geographical war is going on, which is financially benefiting the elite, by the way, there is also a war in the heavens between the spiritual principalities that control these kingdoms. Now, the objective of this battle is to shift things in order to control geographical land masses that ultimately, I believe, will pave the way for invasion into Israel during the Day of the Lord. If you look at a map, like we said, Russia wants to control the entire northern border of the Black Sea. Now, the landmass to the south of the Black Sea is Turkey, and what's interesting there is that all seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation are located in this area. So by weakening the spiritual atmosphere over that kingdom in Turkey, and by taking control of the northern border of the sea, Russia will have a clear path to invade Israel. A second thing I want you to notice is Ukraine's president is appealing to join NATO the international military alliance consisting of 31 member states from Europe and North America that make up this new world order. I see this governmental body as the final kingdom that Daniel prophesied would control the world at the end of days. So Zelensky is appealing to place Ukraine under NATO's protection. Now, what should be very unsettling to us is the role that President Biden has given the United States in all this, which he has stated that we must help lead this world order. Now, as believers, we have to get out from under that declaration and renounce any association with this presidential mission. I suggest we personally confess that we are looking to the God of Israel alone as our covering, not to some world government. A third thing to note is that the invasion of Ukraine took place on February 24, 2022. On the Hebrew calendar, that was the 13th of Adar, which is one of the three time periods I said to look out for. This date was the day chosen by Haman from the seed of Amalek to kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire. Now, what is especially significant is that Ukraine is home to the tenth largest population of Jews in the world, with over 200,000. Adar 13 was Ukraine's breach on the very day commemorating an intent by Amalek to destroy Jews. This is a clear sign to me, prophetically, saying that we have entered a time when Jews are being targeted for extinction. Now, I would go so far as to say that Ukraine may be the beginning of upheavals in other countries where there are significant numbers of Jews. We need to take note of this if it happens. Whatever country Jews may have settled in and looked to for safety. God may allow that country to vomit them out, as what happened in Ukraine, so that these Jews would return to Israel in preparation for what's coming in the days ahead. 
I refer you to my two-part series on Ukraine for more if you're interested. You'll find those on my podcast site at CandiceLong.com. But for the rest of our time here, I want to discuss issue number two, which is biological. Now, as best I can, I want to talk about the diabolical scheme I see going on to pollute the human bloodline as it was in the days of Noah. Now, this danger is for all of us, but I'm going to focus on Israel, which is the enemy's ultimate target. Gentiles are simply collateral damage. After over 30 years of study into the latter days, I am convinced that the vaccine rollout is the biggest sting operation against humanity the world has ever seen. Now, I admit to you up front my bias, and I present the full teaching in the episode called How the Vaccine Paves the Way for the Mark of the Beast. I'll put a link to that free transcript with all of my research and findings in the description notes to this episode, which is The Ancient Snare Part 4. You'll find it at CandiceLong.com. But for benefit of new listeners who may be confused right now, Let me sum up a few things for you. While studying the book of Daniel during Hanukkah in 2022, I discovered that the vaccine rollout fulfilled a prophecy that Daniel wrote over 2,500 years ago. I want to read you the passage from Daniel 11, verses 30 and 31. First, as written in the Bible, and then I'm going to interpret it metaphorically using Hebraic principles of interpretation. Quote, For ships of Ketim shall come against him, referring to Antiochus Epiphanes, and in his rage he shall turn against the Jews, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary, take away the daily sacrifice, and place the abomination that makes desolate, What Daniel prophesied here was fulfilled historically in 168 B.C., 400 years after Daniel wrote this, when the Greco-Roman king Antiochus Epiphanes, who was part of the Amalek bloodline, invaded Jerusalem, desecrated and polluted the temple, and then erected a statue on the altar with his face carved into the idol, pretending to be the god Zeus. Now, I want you to know the timetable when that event took place. I explained earlier that one of the dates to take note of is Hanukkah. This is the exact time period on the Hebrew calendar when Antiochus polluted the temple. So please remember this time period, Hanukkah. Let me pause a minute to make an observation that, frankly, I have just recently seen. This verse in Daniel seems to be divided into two parts. Part one concerns the emperor's rage against the Jews and polluting the temple with something designed to defile it. If the temple is defiled, there can be no daily sacrifice because the priests have to clean the temple before a proper sacrifice can be made. So that's part one. But the second part is when Antiochus places the abomination that makes desolate on the altar. 
This is what's called the abomination of desolation. And we're going to explore that next time in part five. So what this tells me is that we're dealing with two separate attacks aimed directly at Israel by Antiochus. The first was to pollute the temple and prevent proper sacrifice. And at some later point, he set up his statue on the altar. Now, in this episode, we're going to focus on just the pollution itself because it's simply too much to squeeze all of everything into this one episode. Now, rabbis and biblical scholars have always seen that Antiochus is a picture of the Antichrist who makes a covenant with Israel at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation, and they believe that the Antichrist will desecrate the third temple in the same way. But what I want to show you is how this pandemic and the vaccine rollout seem to perfectly fulfill Daniel's prophecy. After breaking out each word and phrase in the Daniel passage from the Hebrew to English, according to what was happening during that Hellenistic period when Israel was under Roman control, here is my metaphorical interpretation. Quote, Something is being shipped by Hellenistic one-world forces, using arms as stretched out, boring a hole through the skin, to deliver something designed to pollute the temples or bodies of God's people, unquote. Now, I am presenting to you for consideration two things. Number one, that Daniel's use of the word temple could have a metaphorical meaning. God may have shown him the temple in his vision so he would use that word. But consider the other biblical meaning of the word temple. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Daniel would not have had access to this meaning back then, but God knew. So looking at this passage through that lens, Hellenistic forces bored a hole through the skin with something to pollute temples, or bodies of God's people. That's one way we can look at this. Another word in Daniel's passage that could also have metaphorical meaning is the term arms, with most people thinking that it means armed forces. I believe this phrase, too, could also have a secondary meaning, which Daniel would have known nothing about 2,500 years ago. What if this so-called army, referred to as a force, is not literal. What if these armed forces were invisible, molecular, and microscopic? Could this force be billions of nanotech molecular structures traveling through holes bored by syringes and injected into the arms of everyone on the planet? This interpretation fulfills Daniel's prophecy to the letter. It matches exactly what we've lived through during the pandemic and is completely in line with what we have learned about the kind of snare Amalek would devise to entrap God's people. What makes this so difficult is that we cannot imagine thinking in such devious ways. That's why God warned us and why he's warning us now. 
You need to know that the technology does exist to insert into people microscopic nanorobots made of graphene oxide. The links I provide you will show these metallic particles taken from vials by reputable scientists and magnified under microscopes. But please do not panic. This sounds horrible, and it is. But this is part one in the nefarious scheme that I call the Amalek snare. But God has a way out. Let's fast forward almost 2,500 years from Antiochus polluting the temple during Hanukkah to Hanukkah in the year 2020. I want you to see two significant events that took place. First, the 25th of Kislev, which was the beginning of Hanukkah in 2020, was the very day when the FDA issued emergency use of the Pfizer vaccine. What this says to me is that during the celebration of Hanukkah in 2020, commemorating the dedication of the temple, the first shot was given in the UK, the first shot was given in the United States, and the first shot was given in Israel. During Hanukkah, the temples of millions of people all over the world, many of whom love God, were invaded and polluted by a substance genetically created to defile. Now, you may disagree with me, and I respect your right to your opinion, but this scheme has all the earmarks of the ancient snare of Amalek. A second event happened just three days after Hanukkah 2020. This was an unusual alignment in the heavens between Jupiter and Saturn, their closest alignment in 800 years. It's called the Great Conjunction and occurs when Jupiter overtakes Saturn in its orbit. Now, why is this significant? Jupiter is the Roman name for Zeus, who was considered in Greece to be the king of the gods. It was the image of Zeus that you recall Antiochus set up on the altar. Now, what makes this especially important is that this takeover in the heavens by Jupiter happened on the 6th of Tevet. On the Hebrew calendar, the 10th of Tevet, just four days later, is appointed by God as a day of fasting because this date was when the siege began in Jerusalem by both Babylon and Rome, hundreds of years apart. Now, what this could mean is that behind the scenes of all that was going on during the COVID pandemic and vaccine rollout, a siege was taking place in the heavens with evil angelic forces positioning themselves over earth. In closing, I realize that what I have shared today is a lot. But I wanted you to see here the complexity and the cunning and the deceit behind what we have all lived through. The real target in all of this was Israel, and they have fallen greatly into this snare. Next time, I will share some recent revelations concerning how they pulled this off. And most importantly, if you or those you care about have fallen into this snare, I want to give you some biblical tools that God gave us to use not only to get out of the snare, but to begin healing and be able to help others. 
Whenever Aaron and Hur held up Moses' arms, God's people were victorious. Holding up Moses' arms means to return to the study of Torah. Thank you so much for listening. You will find this episode, Uncovering the Ancient Snare, Part 4, on my podcast site at candislong.com slash podcast. I'm Candice Long. Join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless you.